Well, what a college football weekend it was. Um, and apparently none of you are college football fans. Uh, but uh, I um, spent the weekend down in College Station uh, for uh, my daughter's visit down there. And um, I learned all about the university, uh, Texas A&M University, the fighting Aggies. Uh, went to Yale practice, did all things. I'm all in as a Longhorn fan down there in College Station. Uh, and what I learned is that really the Aggies and the Longhorns have a lot in common. They really do. I mean, they're both great universities. They have a lot of pride uh, in their universities, and they both like to lose by field goal. Um, so uh, it, was, uh, it was a heartbreaking loss for me yesterday. But, um, but anyway, it was a great college football weekend. It's a great football day today. I mean, not only the Cowboys kick off, but I mean, we got like half the PCA football team with us this morning. So love that. love that, Coach Camp and what you're doing there. Um, but, uh, man, we are, we are excited. Um, and we, uh, next Sunday is we have Baptism Sunday, and we have so many in both services getting baptized. And if, uh, if, you, if, that was, if you'd like to be baptized, maybe you were baptized as a, as a kid and, and you, you, know, you had a, you know, somewhat of a childlike faith, but now you have an adult faith and you're like, man, I really didn't understand what I was doing back then, but man, I understand what Jesus has done for me and, the, and, the, and how he's changed my life. And maybe you want to go public with your faith too. And if you'd like to do that, contact myself or Thomas or, um, or any one of the staff. We'd love to get you uh, ready for next Sunday. Uh, and then on September 25th, we kick off a new Bible study at 1045. And I know that means that, you know, if you want to go to that, you're going to have to come to the 930 service. Um, but what I'm excited about the 1045 Bible study that kicks off on the September 25th is you guys get to provide the content. And so what we're asking you to do is just, if you've ever had a question about the Bible, if you've ever had a question about God, if you've ever had a question uh, about, you know, some, some theology or something concerning Christianity or even other religions. And no, there's no question that's, that's a wrong question. If you, you can just write that, you know, write your question down on a card. You don't have to sign it. You can put it in one of those uh, white boxes on your way out. And uh, our teaching team that's going to be responsible for that, they'll take all those questions. We got some great ones last week, by the way. Uh, they're going to organize those and try to hit two or three, four questions a week for about five weeks. And so I uh, want to encourage you to go. I mean, um, I mean, we've already carved out Sunday morning, just carve out another hour and, uh, and really get some rich Bible study. Um, I know I, it was either Monday or Tuesday night, our seven-year-old, uh, he asked his mom going to bed, he said, uh, he said, mom, why do, um, um, you know, why does God allow bad things to happen? And so, you know, they called me in there, you know, being the preacher dad that I am, and said, hey, your son, I'm like, what do you mean my son? You know, your son has a question for you, uh, and it's like, uh, why, dad, why does, why does God let bad things happen? And I said, well, son, Asher, if you'll fill out this card, <laughs> and you'll write that question down, we'll answer it for you, because that's a good one, buddy. So, um, so anyway, uh, we have that starting on September 25th. Well, today... Uh, we, uh, uh, we, kick, we, we continue our series on uh, the book of John and by looking at the, uh, the life of Jesus and the life that he calls us to as his followers. And we're going to see a different dynamic this morning, I hope, of what he calls us to. But I want to start with this. Um, A.W. Tozer, great theologian, author of the 20th century, um, he, he, he writes this question. I just want to start with it this morning. 
And he says in this statement, he says, um, the most important thing about someone is what they think about when they think about God. The most important thing about you and I is what do we think about when we think about God? And I just want to start there. I want you to kind of think about that for a moment. Because, you know, a lot of us, you know, maybe we think about, you know, God is just this, you know, this judge in the sky and he's waiting to just, you know, squash us like a grape when we mess up. Or, or maybe for us, you know, God is just kind of, you know, this old man who's, you know, up in the sky, he's distant and disconnected from our lives. Or maybe you think he's just an unapproachable, not personable, you know, God. But what, what do we think about? Because the most important thing about us is what do we think about when we think about God? And this morning, I hope that we'll step into a new arena and that one of those things that we think about will become friend. Because what this passage shows us this morning is that uh, we see that the value of friendship, and in particular, the value of a friendship with Jesus. And so we're, we're just going to ask the passage two questions this morning, okay? First question is this, is that why do we need friendship, okay? And, uh, and then the second question is, how do we know if we have a friendship with Jesus? And so really what we're going to do is we're, we're going to a look at our friendship with, 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 with God vertically, but also gauge the depth of our friendships horizontally with one another. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 this morning. If you didn't bring your Bibles, we're going to put it up on the screen for you. Uh, but John chapter 15 this morning. Now, you know, just kind of back up a little bit. John, John chapter 13 and 14, Jesus is having the Last Supper uh, with his friends, with his disciples. And at the end of 14, he says, get up, let's go. And so they leave the upper room where they're celebrating Passover and they're walking through the city, outside the city, and they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. And Jesus being the master teacher that he is, and uh, we, we saw this last week, he, outside the city, he, he more than likely comes and they're walking through a vineyard and he sees this vine and he stops his friends and he says, hey guys, uh, I, I want to illustrate something for you. And you see this vine here? Because I am the vine and you're the branches. And apart from me, you can't accomplish anything. Apart from me, you can't live the life that I'm calling you to live. But he says, if you remain in me, if you abide in me, that you will produce much fruit. And what we talked about last week was the fruit that, that, we, that we experience when we remain when we're attached, when we abide with Jesus is the fruit of the Spirit. That, you know, that the fruit of the Spirit being, you know, joy and peace and love and uh, patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control. That as we remain, as we abide in Jesus, as we have this personal connection with Jesus, this friendship that we're going to see with Jesus today, that, that we'll, we'll become more patient that we'll have more patience uh, when our circumstances say that we shouldn't have. That we'll have a peace that passes all understanding uh, when our circumstances dictate that we shouldn't have that peace. That we'll become more loving, we'll have more compassion, we'll be more self-controlled. And that fruit will grow in us as we remain and abide in Jesus. And then Jesus, he, he leads us to this new arena um, of of, he invites us into this new arena 
in friendship. So why do, we, why do we need friends? Why do we need friendship? Well, let's look at verses 9 through 12 here. And Jesus says, he says, as my father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Because my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, now the word um, that, 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 that Jesus, he, he, he answers why, why, you know, why we need friends. We need to kind of uh, read between the lines here that, um, that we need friends because we were created in the image of God. And we also need God. And when Jesus, when he uses the word love here, he, he's, he's using um, a very specific Greek word for love. Now, in the Greek language, there are six different words for love. Our English word, we just have one, and it kind of covers all loves. But in the Greek, it's very specific, and he uses the Greek word for the love between two friends. And, and, and what he's saying there is, as the Father and I have been eternally friends, I now befriend you. And so we, what we see is that the Trinity, okay, is the basis for our friendship. That, that we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one, okay? Now, if you ask me after the service today, can you help me make sense of the Trinity? I'm going to say, no, I really can't. But if you'll take one of these cards and write that question They'll take care of that. They'll answer that question for you. So now we have two really good questions uh, to, to talk about here in a couple of weeks. But we have the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in perfect community with each other. In perfect friendship for all eternity past. There wasn't, a, there wasn't a beginning, okay? There wasn't a start. But we do have this perfect friendship, this perfect community before there was anything. Before anything was created, before there was anything, we have friendship. And these three, the, the, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are enjoying one another. They are communicating with one another. They are planning with one another. And what we see them in Genesis is they, were, they are creating with one another. In fact, it says uh, in, in the scripture, it says, let us create man in our image. In other words, let's hardwire mankind for community. Let's hardwire mankind for friendship. And that's why we need friendship because friendship is the foundation of everything because it existed before anything. And so the Trinity models that for us. And Jesus says, as the father has loved me, I have loved you. And what we need more than anything else in our lives is a friendship with Jesus. Now, this need for a friend in our lives, it's so profound because, um, because it can't really be satisfied uh, through another friend. It can't really be satisfied with a group of friends, no matter how great of a friend they are or how great that group of friends are. And, and the reason why is, is because we are all imperfect. Okay, in fact, just a, kind of a show of hands so we kind of all let down our guard, okay? Because we don't want to be a church that we you know, have to pretend that we're okay and we're perfect because none of us are perfect. But how many of you have ever been disappointed by a friend? Just raise your hand. Okay, yeah, all of us, okay? Um, and those who didn't raise your hand, you're like, I don't have any friends because I don't want to be disappointed. Yeah, uh, okay, let's kind of flip the table a little bit. Um, show of hands, how many of you have disappointed a friend? Okay, all of us, right? 
because we're imperfect. And so how, so this just highlights this deep need for friendship. How do we satisfy this deep need for friendship? How do we fill this void for friendship when we're all imperfect? Well, it's satisfied and it's filled through this friendship with Jesus because scripture says that Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. That Jesus is our perfect friend and he invites us into a friendship with him and only he can satisfy that. So that's why, that's why we need friends, especially a friendship with Jesus. So, so how do we know if, if we're friends with Jesus? Well, this passage gives us a couple of qualities uh, of a good friendship. And so we kind of get to measure our friendship vertically and our friendships horizontally. And we can use this to gauge uh, those friendships. And the first thing we see is that, that a friend is someone who always lets us in and never lets us down. We say, whoa, 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 you just said that we're all imperfect and we're going to disappoint and let each other down. We are. We are going to do that. And so we have to look to Jesus, the one true, perfect friend. Look at, look at verses 13 through 15. Jesus continues to say to his friends, he says, greater love has no, has no, no one than this, to lay down one's life for his for one's friends. You are now my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. So what we have there is servants don't know the mind, the business, the heart of the people that they serve. But a friend does. And Jesus says that I'm, I'm, I'm going to invite you in. I'm going to let you know my mind. I'm going to let you know my heart. I'm going to let you know my business because that's who I am. I am your friend. And a friend is someone who lets us in. A friend is someone who shares their secrets. A friend is someone who puts themselves out there for us. A friend is somebody who makes sacrifices for the other person. And Jesus, we see him being the perfect friend. He made the ultimate sacrifice by giving his life for us. He defines the word friendship for us. Psalm 25, 14, David, he, he writes this. He says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. That the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him and makes known to them his covenant. Now, in the Hebrew language, the same word is used for secret and friendship. And so that changes this verse Entirely, Because remember, a, a, a friend, they share secrets. They share their deep thoughts and feelings. And so it's now the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Now, now we want to stop there and say, okay, well, are you talking about that we got to be scared of God? we got to be scared of God that he's going to squash me like a grape if I mess up? No. Remember, what, 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 what do we start out with? We started out with this, this thought of the most important thing about you and I is what we think about. When we think about God. And so, yes, God is a righteous and holy and just and fair judge. But he's also kind and compassionate and merciful and loving and full of grace. Now, that doesn't mean he just turns his head and, and dismisses our sin. No, he, our sin must be dealt with. And he dealt with the punishment of our sin, the penalty of our sin, once for all by putting it upon Jesus, our best friend. 
so that his wrath has been fulfilled. And so, which means that he can offer us grace and mercy when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we become his friends. So when we, what is it that we think about when we think about God? The Bible says that if we have a relationship with the Father through faith in Jesus Christ, that we're no longer just a servant of God. And maybe that's what we think when we think about God, that we think about all these things that we have to do. We think about our performance. But here it's about what Jesus has already done. Jesus, our friend, has already done for us that we will be his friend. See, every other religion in the world just offers a bunch of teachings to follow. Every religion in the world just says, here you go, good luck. But Christianity is the only one that not only offers teachings, but also Christianity is the only one where God came to us. Every other religion in the world is about mankind obtaining God, but Christianity is the only one where God came down in the form of a man and he lived the life we can't live and he died the death that we deserve. And he came as 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 our savior. He came as our substitute. He came as our guide to guide us to himself. And when Jesus, before he left to, to go back to heaven, he gives us the, he, he promises us the, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is his spirit living in us to guide us to him. And that's how we can have a friendship with the Lord. See, it's the difference between, um, if you're going to go hiking, maybe you're going to hike to the top of a you know, a 14 or a 14,000 mountain to, to see the sunrise is the difference between using a map and using a guide. And to really, so I fully under kind of stood this, uh, I, I, I reached out to our very own Abby Turner. Uh, she grew up here. Uh, she went down to the University of Texas, graduated, and now she's pursuing a, a Christian counseling degree as she pursues a ministry there. But in our summers, she lives, the last couple of summers, she's lived in Buena Vista, Colorado, and she's a guide to take, take people on overnight trips to reach the summit. And one of her goals is to get them there to watch the sunrise. And so I said, Abby, what's the difference between, why can't I just use a map? And, or what's the difference between using a map and, and using a guide? And she says, well, for starters, maps, they can't, they, they can't make you stay on the right trail. And, and a lot of times the, the trails, they'll cross over one another and, uh, and you'll get on the wrong trail and a map can't keep you on the right trail. She said, a map can't monitor your health. A, a, a map can't monitor your breathing, can't monitor how you're doing, can't monitor your hydration, can't monitor if you need to stop and rest. A, a map can't help you if you twist an ankle or, or get hurt. A map can't help you and can't help you navigate uh, and guide you through the dark because many times if you're going to reach the, the, the summit, uh, you've got to leave while it's still dark in the morning. Um, and a map, I mean, she said maps expire all the time because trails shift and move and, and close. And so, you, so maps can expire. I asked her, I said, um, it, it, you know, so what, so what about a guide? She goes, well, a guide is just that. It's a guide. That as a guide, I, I'm there with them. I'm present. 
I'm physically with them. I'm making sure that not only we start out on the right trail, but we also stay on the right trail. That I'm monitoring the health of all that's in my group. That I'm monitoring their breathing, their, their, uh, their hydration intake. I'm monitoring, you know, are they getting enough calories? She also said, I'm, I'm helping them if they twist an ankle. I'm helping them if they get cut. That, and, and she goes, we'll get up from camp and we'll set out you know, at four o'clock in the morning to reach that summit. And, and I'm, I'm guiding them in the dark and I'm telling them where to put their feet and where to put their hands and I'm getting them to the top. I asked her, you know, you know as a guide, what are some things that you've, that you've discovered that you love about getting a group to the summit at sunrise? And she said, well, first of all, you have to understand a sunrise in the mountains that um, it's not a sudden burst of light, but it's a slow burn. It's a slow light up. It's a slow glow. And she goes, as, as the sun begins to come up, it, it gets lighter and lighter. And you just see colors that you've never seen before. And then all of a sudden, as the sun comes up over the mountain, there is a burst of light. And she says, it is beautiful, but just as beautiful if you've ever find yourself at the top of a 14er, that when the sun comes up over the horizon and you have this beautiful, bright burst of light, she says, remember to turn around because you will see the valley just lit up with colors that you've never seen before. The trees look different. The rocks look different. The water looks different. I said, well, what do you, what do you love? She goes, it never gets old. That I love the sense of community that the hikers have when we get to the top because they accomplished something they didn't know they had in them. They overcame hardships along the way. She goes, and it never gets old to see the awe and the wonder and the majesty of God written all over their face as their guide. And as she's talking and I'm listening, I'm just starting, you know, I'm in this scripture. I'm just thinking, that's the kind of friendship I want with my heavenly father. Because it sounds a lot like what Jesus does for us. That's the depth of friendship that I want vertically with Jesus. And Christianity is based on that friendship. It's based on that relationship. It's based on what Jesus did for us. See, we become friends with God the minute we put our faith in Jesus, and it's based on everything he did for us. Now, now, now let's, let's go back for a moment. What do you think about when you think about God? Because I think sometimes I think about him as an employer, as a boss. Tell me what I need to do so that I can get what I deserve, Right? I think sometimes when I think about God, I think of him as a debt collector. Because I've messed up and I've done this over here that I need to just tell me how much I need to pay. And hopefully I'll have enough to have fun afterwards. But Jesus says, but if you want to be my friend, if you want to have eternal life, if you want to know me personally, build your life on me. And when we realize how marvelous the cross is it will transform us because his death will be everything to us. And the band's going to come and just lead us in a song to, to kind of as we really think about, okay, what do I think about when I think about God? 
But, but as they get ready, I, I just want to give us three quick applications for today. Number one is become his friend. Become his friend. See, some of us, we, we, we think we're working for God. We, th- we think it's just about what we do. We think it's about just our performance. We think it's just about how we live. And it is. I mean, there are un- unapologetically some things we need to do and not do as followers, as friends of Jesus Christ. But we need to move into that it's my only hope is found in what Jesus has accomplished for us through his life, death, and resurrection. And that, yes, he is a righteous and holy and just and fair judge, but he's also my Savior and my Lord and my friend. Second application is that we need to stop expecting others to be our everything. We put so much pressure on our friends to meet needs and satisfy us that only Jesus can. And so we need to stop putting those expectations on other people. We'll be disappointed a lot less. And I know some of us have been so disappointed that we we have stopped opening ourselves up to other people. We've stopped opening ourselves up because we've decided if we let them know who we really are, they might either reject us or even worse, they may not even care about us. But see, when we grab hold of the gospel, and we build our life on him and what he's done for us. And we remember that, oh my gosh, when we put our faith in Jesus, we have all the acceptance and all the approval and all the significance and all the security and all the love and all the hope that we will ever need. And whose, whose approval is more important than my friend Jesus? Nobody. And so yes, this friend may reject me and that hurts. I don't want to minimize that pain. But I remember, Jesus will never leave me for forsake me. And we all need friends. And maybe when we remember that, it'll help us open ourselves up. Because we're hardwired for a community. And not only do we want to know others, but we need others to know us so that they can be the hands and feet of Jesus for us. The final application is that we need to repent to Jesus as our friend. And so many times my repentance to Jesus is I treat him like he's this judge or like he's this referee and he's keeping score of of all the wrongs and so I've got to do enough rights to tip the scale my way or sometimes I repent to Jesus as that, you know, as that debt collector. But when we go to a good friend and we say, hey, I messed up, man. I said this about you and I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And when that friend does forgive us, that friendship is stronger. And so we need to start going to Jesus to repent to him as our friend. Because he offers us forgiveness, acceptance and approval and significance kindness and gentleness and love he offers those to us and he restores us to himself because he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother and he's the friend who laid down his life for us and he's the friend who will never leave us nor forsake us and he's the friend who loves us 
and is a good friend to us even when we're not a good friend to him. We repent to him as a friend.